0: out our, our second introduction we talked a couple weeks ago when I we were here and kind of went through a little bit of uh, timeline and you know when did John write this book what was his intentions and so forth and I felt like because this book can be so just I don't want to say confusing but there are a lot of Christians that and um, ministers. Uh, I talked to some that are like, I don't want to teach revelation <laughs> you know uh uh I talked to uh some that are like, you know oh so you're doing revelation, good luck <laughs> you know i mean it's a it can be a challenging book but it's not intended to be that way no. uh you know as i as I just mentioned revelation it's it's a it's the what's in verse one look at verse one for us. Revelation chapter 1 verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave unto him. Gave it to John through a revelation, through a revealing. God gave John these images insight into heaven. Gave him all of these things to reveal to us. It's not to be complicated. It's not to be... Um, something that you can't and shouldn't understand should be something that you read something that you study and it it just reveals the the uh christ winning in the end overcoming the evil of this world right so what are some of the different methods because people get so confused, here's why they get so confused, is because they use different methods to interpret revelation. They use different methods. And we're going to talk about those four, four or five different methods today. It's going to be kind of simple, but I think it's a good, it was good to kind of mention this, to kind of have a base of foundation of here's how we're going to interpret this book as we move forward. And next week we'll start going through chapter one. I kind of wrote on the board a little bit of a timeline for those that can kind of see it. i put my notes over here. A little bit of a timeline. We got A.D. 55 to 62. Of course, we have Christ's crucifixion around 33, 32, 31 A.D. We got the synoptics written, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, around 55 to 62, 30 years after Christ's Twenty to thirty years, twenty years after Christ's crucifixion, we have them sitting down to write the story and the gospel for future generations to be told. Twenty years. I mean, that's pretty. Think about that. Uh, sit down and type and write something tw- the, as as detailed as they did. Twenty years after. Think about something that happened twenty years ago. I mean, it'd be challenging, but they did with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Is how they were able to get that accomplished. I'm not the word synoptic. What is that? Synoptic Gospels. Those are going to be the the Gospels here. That kind of, if you take those three Gospels and mold them together, they give you a timeline. Okay. John kind of sits out there different. Yes. So John isn't necessarily considered one of the synoptics, but these three, you can do a study. Um, Brother Mark was doing it prior to when he was finishing up his teaching, kind of going through the Gospels as a synoptic study. And you would just study the timeline and go through each and kind of see how they, how they mold together. A.D. 70, so 55 to 62, Matthew, Mark, Luke, they're, they're, they're beginning their missionary journeys, they're establishing churches, and in A.D. 70, wasn't it Nero, destroys Jerusalem destroys the temple. <clears throat> Gospel of John, written eighty eighty there around. Twenty-five years after the others. And then you have him being uh put on Patmos. He was only there like three, three and a half years, but during that time He wrote Revelation, A.D. 95. Remember we talked about last time we were here that some feel like Revelation was written around, what, A.D. 65? And then we talked about why it really doesn't fit when you look at who was the Roman emperors in charge. It would have been Domitian during that 65. And when you start looking at some of the early church fathers and early writings, it just doesn't, doesn't fit. There are a few that suggest that, but um, <coughs> Revelation tends to lead, when you start looking through the book itself, tends to lead toward a later writing. was written when he was on Patmos. Yes, ma'am. Yep. After he'd been, was it after he'd been poisoned or before he was poisoned? So he was boiled in oil in Rome as part of the Christian persecution and exiled to Patmos at that point. So he, you know, he was at on Patmos dealing with those injuries. You know, they, that had to have lasted a while. And then received that, this revelation from Jesus on Patmos to say, you know what, you got something else to write. Consider John's, he's up there in age at this point, right? He's the only living apostle at this point. They've all been martyred. They're all dead this point and he's the last one to say jesus said to say to him you know what i got something else for you to write and he and he gets revelation written for us so we kind of see this timeline and as you look at this timeline some of the interpretive methods that they use for interpreting revelation you'll see why they use it maybe so what's one of the uh one of the first interpretive methods. Well, there's a lot of people out there that feel like Revelation is fictional. Now, I won't spend a lot of time on this one because we know that not to be the case, right? I mean, it, that's just not even an argument that uh, we're going to... It's just, there's nothing there. Nothing there. I mean, when you compare Revelation, you spend time studying it, and you see the historical stuff mentioned in it that ties to actual churches in Asia Minor that he's writing to later. And you see all that stuff and you start putting it together. No, it's not fictional. No, he's writing it to, to us, to Christians throughout the ages. So no, I, we can just kind of push that one aside, right? But that is one view that people take, that it's just a, a fancy tale But secondly, one of the ones that people take is a historical view, meaning it's more of a history book. It tells of past events, not future events. Now, why would they take that position? The book describes events wholly limited to John's time. So John's writing a book. He's lived during this period, and their argument is he's writing. Um, about events that occurred during his time, not that will occur in the future. He's talking about the church's struggle with Judaism, Rome, and persecution. And if you, we studied some of the uh, persecution under Rome to Christians. I mean, it's brutal what they were doing to Christians. And, you know, to churches. And, I mean, just look at what Paul was doing prior to his conversion to churches. I mean, they're, they're going out, finding these places. And up until Constantine's time, Christianity was an outlawed religion. Now, and we kind of talked about why, eh, you know, it's kind of like King James writing the Bible. Something good can come out of, <laughs> of an evil person. King James wasn't. A good guy. Neither was Constantine, but it did have. He did offer some relief to Christianity during his time. But up until that time, these folks they just meet a Christian, kill a Christian. I mean, it was just kind of a. They were deep persecution. So this view held by uh, like the Church of Christ and many other theological liberals flatly denies the book's own claims to be predictive prophecy. So in Revelation chapter one verse three. It says, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. First off, (coughs) I just love that first part. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear of this prophecy. For our context, notice that book is claiming to be prophecy. Claiming to be about prophecy. Future events, okay. We know it's written through by John through inspiration, so to me the argument shuts down at that point, right? But again, it helps to kind of understand some I of the different it was views. Clear that Revelation was talking about what happens during the tribulation. Mm-hmm. It is. It is okay. for us. Oh, <laughs> but there's some that feel different. There's some that feel different on that. And then look at what also says in verse 1, verse 3. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear. You know, if you're going to study a book of the Bible, and you start off with verse 3 and it says, Blessed is he that readeth and heareth. I'm kind of excited over the next couple of years to see what we get out of this book. I also feel like with a book that says that, Satan is pretty aggravated right now that we're taking the time to study this, right? So be in prayerful thought over that as we continue this study. Um, there's, I, 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 the book says there's blessings to us for reading and, and hearing and studying these words. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's stay right with God and be able to obtain those blessings, but let's also be prayerfully cautious um, during this time uh, in satan's tactics because he's not liking this study very much right Be- uh, verse 20 or chapter 22 verse 7 revelation says behold i come quickly blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book chapter 22 verse 7. If we're writing about past events and Jesus says, Behold, I come quickly. Are we talking about past events or future events? Future. That's future. He's saying, he's saying I'm, I'm coming at another time. I'm coming at another point. But it's going to be quickly. And then to, to, to tie this verse with the verse we just said about, Blessed is he that readeth and heareth, he goes a step further. And I, I like this too. He says, "Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy." So we're going to hear, we got you know, blessed is he that readeth, but blessed is he that heareth, but we also have to keepeth the prophecy. But do you believe it? Are you living as if all of this we're going to talk about is a factual historical event that's going to come in the future? We have to live that way too. We can't just hear and read and blow it off so good stuff chapter 22 verse 10 uh, verse says and he saith unto me seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book for the time is at hand again we're kind of contradicting that historical interpretive thought Seal not the sayings for the time is at hand. Well, again, we're not talking about past events. We're talking about something's going to happen in the future. But also, knowest with no, noticed, knowest, (laughs) as a good King James person would say. (laughs) Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book. This book is not to be a sealed book. Uh, you're you're to understand be able to understand what's in here it's not to be complicated it's not to be confusing now what you have is john getting a glimpse of heaven and can you imagine trying to describe the indescribable <clears throat> using the terminology and phrases of that time i mean that's that's the issue that's the the trouble i think we have is trying to Take what John is telling us that he saw and going, well, that don't make any sense. No, no, he's talking about heaven. It's very likely there's things that we just couldn't comprehend, right? And he's trying to describe them for us, and then it makes then you don't understand it, so people try to make these connections with everything. No. We we'll just take it for what it says. Chapter 22, verses 18 and 19. For I testify under every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, again Revelation, saying that it's prophecy, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written into this book. So as I start this study, I can't help but read that and uh, consider changing my mind. I mean, there's there's some weight there, right? We're to teach what's in that book. We're just to add to it. Right? Take away from it. Teach what's in the book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Serious, serious, right? Serious stuff and prophetic. Now, Consider this thought. For this book to be interpreted in a historical way, talking about past events, or, or even to say if we're talking about events that occurred during John's time, this book would have been written, say, around 75 A.D., in that sense, John would be telling the story of, the, of Jerusalem being destroyed, and in some sense would have had Christ coming back during that event. Um, if you read it and studied it, it to me it doesn't fit, but you, can you imagine what this event was like for the people of that time, Jerusalem, the temple? Being destroyed, I mean that was a big time event for them. So they would have almost a, a, attributed that to some type of end of times type event. Remember after nine eleven, how many people said that was there? It is. You know, I'm sure it happened after Pearl Harbor. Same thing. Um, when you look at at Revelation, it generally uh, it's going to get people thinking about, of course, end times, and if they they very often will try to attribute it to something that happened during their lifetime. So um, that's why you get some folks that feel like you know he's 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 writing this in that way. There's also something called the continuous history view. Uh, this view, if you look at the Reformation age and the rise of Catholicism, talk about persecution. Go back to persecution for Christians. You know, we had it under these Roman leaders during this time, but also in uh, Europe during the rise of uh, Catholicism and the Reformation. I mean, anybody read Fox's Book of Martyrs? And the number of people just literally. uh, You admit that you can be baptized through sprinkling and not uh, submersion. No, that's not what the Bible says. Well, then you're burned at the stake. And then, so they would burn you at the stake and hang gunpowder around your neck just in case the fire didn't get you. When it got big enough, the gunpowder would go off. I mean, can you imagine living during that time and feeling like that was end times? So you have this continuous history view in that, People during their times read Revelation and associate it with something's going on during their time. Like I said, during 9-11, people would have associated it. People uh, living during World War I, World War II would have associated it with end-time events. I mean, those events are traumatic and huge. And we just tend, as a society, to want to say that we're living in the worst of the worst until it gets worse. Um, So there's this continuous history thought too. Then they have where people get caught up in the most. And it's interpreting it in an allegorical view. Reading some of the verses and saying, well, what that means is it means the seven something of you know, going back to Matthew, Mark, Luke, or, you know, this means churches, this means Israel, this means, you know, when it doesn't say that. They're just interpreting that that way because they don't understand the writing. Go back to what I was saying about John describing events and things that he saw that was explained to him by Christ that is unexplainable. And he's describing these angelic beings that we'll talk about as we go, and and how they look. It ain't you know nothing like the uh, angels that we think about, right? The little fluffy person sitting on a cloud kind of thing. It ain't nothing like that. And he describes them, and you're like, really? Certainly, he doesn't have an organ on his back or a musical instrument attached to him. Well, that's what John says. Uh, Satan has. If you were to look at Satan, he, you know, one of the one of his attributes is he uh, has a musical instrument as part of his being. That's why his music is so important to get it right. Number one. But yet you'd look at that, and some people might say, "Well, what John was really saying is that musical instrument stands for society in general and all this kind of stuff." Well, no, it probably stands for a musical instrument. You know, so the allegorical view is easy to get caught up in, I think. And as we continue through the book, I think that's going to be the, the, the area that we'll have to be the most cautious about. I'm not worried about going down a road where I say that uh, Revelation is fictional. <laughs> I mean, that's just probably not an area. Well, it's not probably. That won't be an area we go down. Or to say, well, it means, you know, 9-11 definitely falls right here on this. No, that's not what it means either. Um, So I'm not really worried about going down those trails. Probably the area we would be the most uh, dangerous in going down would be that allegorical view. Not knowing what's allegorical and not knowing what's meant as is. So that's where it'll take study and, and prayer to be able to work. Out that area. Well, the last paragraph, it does. Don't add to it or take it away. Exactly. exactly. No, they, you're, you're 100% correct. That's great. This view robs Revelation as being of any literal significance, as its words are viewed only as myths and allegories picturing the struggle between good and evil. It also ignores the clear statements in the book that it is prophetic. Um, To say it's allegorical, you know, if Revelation was viewed in an allegorical sense, I could teach it one way because I could say this means that and you wouldn't have any reason to argue that point because I could just say well I think it means this and then King could teach it to say well no it means something else, well no that means something else and we would never gain an understanding of the book if that was the method of interpretation. Then we have the prophetic or future view, saying that this book is describing future events. Okay, I can buy that, right? Uh, The book, especially chapters 4 through 22, outlines the events of the last days which are yet future. This is clearly the correct view. We're talking about events that are going to happen at some point in time. We don't know when, right? Don't know but we know it's going to happen at least not at 1007 but maybe 1008 <laughs> right <laughs> this view accepts the plain statements of the text that the view that the text is prophetic i mean we read those verses that says this book is prophetic the future view interprets the words of revelation according to the literal grammatical, historical method. In other words, when the book says something, we just take it as that's what it means. I don't understand it. You're you may not. <laughs> we may not understand it. Um, part of understanding Revelation is to understand uh, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Daniel as well. So I, I imagine as we progress through this book, We'll trek back to those Old Testament prophetic books and be able to see um, the meaning behind these interpretive events from those Old Testament prophet books as well. So, you know, you interpret the Bible with the Bible, right? This view simply states that the words of Scripture are to be taken at face value. Words are to be interpreted according to their literal or normal meanings of the words in their historical context, not according to the imagination and whims of interpreters. Right? I mean, I just feel if we started down those roads, I think we'll quickly notice that we're going down that road because now all of a sudden we got different views on things and we shouldn't. There should be a clear view and a clear interpretation of each of each verse. And remember, God's the author. The Holy Spirit inspired John to pen these words. Mm -hmm. So if we keep those things in mind and we're going through this book, it's John writing, but God speaking through him to put it on paper for us at a later point. Remember, and as I kind of opened the class with, the purpose of the revelation of Jesus Christ is to reveal, not to conceal the truth. So a lot of people get caught up in these allegorical type thoughts. Well, they do it. What they're inadvertently doing is not taking the book for what it's intended to do. I mean, Jesus revealed this to John and with the instruction for John to write it for future uh, people, but if, if if he did it in a way that we weren't supposed to understand it, what's the point of that, right? We're, we're supposed to understand this, interpret it, and be able to live by it uh, and notice uh, that there's going to be a day when things aren't like this. It's going to be a day, right? And as bad as things get, I think, number one, it's going to get worse, yes. <laughs> right? And number two, in the end, we win. Remember we talked about during, this, during, the, during uh, Christ's second return, coming back on those white horses? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's good stuff there. Um, it's just hard sometimes to keep that in focus when you deal with day-to-day life stuff. So all of this interpretive stuff comes back to how do you describe... As the events in this book talk about the rapture, the seven years of tribulation, the second coming, and the thousand year reign. Mm -hmm. How do you interpret all that? You know, do you you say the rapture, I mean, there's people that can take this book and say the rapture occurs here at the end of the tribulation. I mean, they can take the book and sit here and show you verses. That they're interpreting either probably through allegorical ways or something, and they say no, nope, happens right there, mm-hmm. or say it's in the middle of the, tribulation. or say it's at the third, at three and a half mm-hmm. year point of the tribulation. Mm-hmm. We believe though it happens here, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. In a premillennial rap, in a pre-trib uh, trib rapture, we're going to be taken out before these events start. Because once these, I'm telling you, once you hear this big loud horn go and the bowl judgments or the mm-hmm. seal judgments start openings, mm-hmm. and you're reading this book and you're starting to see the, see the lakes turn to blood and stuff, I, I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's pretty easy at that point to go to the book and go, okay, th- this is next. Mm-hmm. I mean, it begins, so the, the, the unknown or the imminency of, the rapture be- becomes mm-hmm. describable, or being able to put it on a timeline. Well, there's even even conversation that the Bible says that that his people will not suffer any. That's right. Any uh, tribulation, which tells us it happens before it starts. <clears throat> no, I agree. You know, he. Uh, I ju- it just doesn't fit with the rest of the book yeah. to say that God would intend yeah, for us to, us to go through yeah. this as His church. Mm-hmm. I- It it doesn't fit with the rest of Scripture, so you know when we get into this discussion of the seven-year tribulation, and that's when it gets pretty heavy, talking about some pretty serious events. And when I said, "Well, somebody during this time could just open the book and see what it says and be able to put it together easy," actually, no, they probably won't, because what else happens during this event? The Holy Spirit. Is taken out, yes. so it becomes pretty difficult be to be a believer during that time. I, I don't know that the, that you can't become. I mean, there's some folks that they ask the question: Can can anybody be saved during this point? Yes. Yeah. And some people would say no because well, if the Holy Spirit Spirit's taken out, then how can you? But the Holy Spirit wasn't present. In the same way he is now during the Old Testament, and the Old Testament, yes, yes, folks were saved. So I think it can happen. It's just going to be pretty difficult. pretty difficult. Yeah, Randy. I'm reading a real good book right now by David Jeremiah after the Rapture. Yes, I've got that. Do you have that? It's, uh, you can leave it sitting on the table when you're gone. Yeah. People pick up. There you go. Mm-hmm. Pretty, good, pretty good. I'll have to I'll have to uh, look that one up. Yeah, that's good. Hobby Lobby. I'll send well I won't have to send Cindy to Hobby Lobby. Next time <laughs> next time she goes, I'll have her pick it up. But a lot of those things that he's describing in there are taking place now. Yeah. Like the the mark of the beast. All the technology is is there for that. It is. It's present. Mm-hmm. But if you believe in a pre trib rapture, the mark of the beast really doesn't come into play until during the tribulation. As far, but the technology's in place for it to be implemented. That's how it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, you know, you often hear uh, Christians, they're like, well, I wouldn't take the mark of the beast, or I'm not going to take that COVID shot because that's the mark of the Well, no, A rapture hadn't occurred yet, so I'm not too worried about inadvertently taking the mark of the beast. We'll be gone before that. That's it. That's it. In my view, anyway. I mean, in my view, and I think that comes from uh, reading the book and studying the book. So, those are the kind of things we're going to be getting into. It's pretty, it's very interesting as we go. But I thought, you know, I, I hope I didn't just totally bore you with with a little bit of interpretive stuff because I think it is important as we go. We'll probably bring up, you know, here's a point where allegorically speaking, we could get off track, or historically speaking, maybe they. We're talking about the fall of Jerusalem and the temple, and you'd kind of understand the premise that we were going with. It's going to be a lot of fun, and they better keep my board available, (laughs) because I'm liking the board. Any other thoughts, comments? Do you think that when people are saved during the seven year, are they going to get raptured, or will they have? I don't see anywhere that says once they get saved they then become raptured. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I think the rapture is a single event, yeah. and then they would have to get to the yes. to the to the second coming at that point. They don't take the mark. I think we'll see that uh, there's going to be some heavy persecution of Christianity during this time. So. I mean heavy persecution so that's where we see these earlier folks believing that the persecution that they suffered during these the Romans where they were beheading and doing terrible. terrible things to Christians or during the reformation when they were burning Christians at the stake why we could see them say well no that was part of the christian persecution of the rapture but then they got their or uh, tribulation but then they got the rapture all mixed up because of it Yeah. The technology is there. Technology is there. there. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I would say up until three or four years ago, people would question whether the technology was there. But mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's, we, we'll talk about some of that, but it's all speculation, of course. But, you know, COVID brought in a lot of stuff that, mm-hmm. that they they, they vaccinated what, how many hundreds of millions of people and. No, we don't, and I, you know, we kind of question whether that might be part of the problem why Cindy's blood mutated the way it did. Well, I think during the tribulation there will be many people coming to Christ. That's the whole I do. point. I think of the tribulation, one last chance, and
1: uh, it's going to be hard.
0: And they're going to they're going and, to suffer death mm-hmm. like the non-believers would in that yeah. time. Yeah, it's going to be an ugly time yes, it for is. sure. You want to be there before it starts. That's it. You know, I don't, I don't worry about tribulation much. You know, except to in this aspect. This is why I should worry about the tribulation. Is I have loved ones that may not be saved, and I want to be sure they don't suffer during that time if it is imminent. If it could happen in three minutes, so I need to be out there sharing the gospel with folks to keep them from this point location up there on that end bridge out (laughs) caution last chance now I will also add as bad as all this is when we get to this point we're going to study the new Jerusalem and heaven that comes down and there's some interesting stuff in here so I mean this will be be, that might be a couple of years away I warn you but it's (laughs) going to be going to be good so Next week, we'll jump into chapter one, (laughs) three weeks in, and we'll go from there. Ken, you want to release us? Yes, sir. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for this day and uh, for this study, Lord.